Shabbat Shalom to everybody today. God bless you. Welcome to our Supernatural Friday podcast. Pastor Tim Garskadnir, Christian Center of Shreveport, as always. Doing our favorite podcast of the week. We have a great testimony of supernatural strength in the midst of crisis. And if we ever needed that, we need that now. Let's listen in and be encouraged what God is raising up now. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat 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 Shalom. Am Yisrael, Am Yisrael, Am Yisrael Chai. 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 Od Avinu Chai, Od Avinu Chai. Well, you made it. It's Friday. So glad you're with us. May God bless you today and strengthen you as you persevere and enter into this rest of Shabbat Shalom. We bless you today. Well, we have a testimony today here on the 12th day of April 2024 of a a minister who had a tragic event in his life and how God comforted him supernaturally. And I've experienced this as well, but this is an amazing story that you need to listen to. And it also has a release for the next generation of what God is doing. All right, let's listen in. Hello, my name is Corey Russell, and I want to share my story about how God took me and my family through a dark night of tragedy and brought forth a glorious story. I've been married to my wife for 25 years, and we have three daughters. And in 20... 12 after having three beautiful daughters the Lord was speaking to me and my wife about having a son and on June 26 2012 he was born we named him Josiah Nash Russell and we called him Nash after a specific uh, a man in history that many of you may not even know about his name was Daniel Nash this man Daniel Nash was a pastor and an intercessor and a prayer warrior with the great evangelist Charles Finney during the Second Great Awakening here in upstate New York, here in in our nation. And this man, many people know the name Charles Finney. I mean, the revival and the spirit of conviction that hit upstate New York in the early, early 1800s is unprecedented. It's historic. They would say conservatively that upwards of 500,000 new converts would come into the kingdom in a matter of eight weeks. In a matter of eight weeks of revival, they would see hundreds of thousands of souls swept into the kingdom. Many people know what happened or know about Charles Finney, but many don't know the name Daniel Nash. Daniel Nash, along with another man by the name of Abel Clary, they would forerun Charles Finney's revival campaigns. They would come into a city two to three weeks ahead of time. They would rent a basement for around 25 cents a a week. And their assignment was to go to battle with spiritual forces of darkness over those regions. They understood a glorious principle that, and and the glorious principle was this, that intercession wins the battle in the heavenlies so that the word of God would go forth in power. Well, this is so powerful. Charles Finney would always say, I didn't need this man's preaching. I didn't need his teaching. I didn't need anything from him. I needed his intercession. And Daniel Nash would always walk in on the first night of a revival campaign 
and would look at Charles Finney and this is all he would say, the Lord has come. And Charles Finney says, I never knew a time he was wrong. And they saw unprecedented power hit the region in those days. Several months after Daniel Nash died, Charles Finney's itinerant revivals stopped in their intensity. Well, me and my wife got so impacted by this historic intercessor, we said, Lord, we wanna name our son Nash. And so we did, and it was glorious. It was a season of fulfillment, a season of joy, a season of peace, as God had given me three beautiful daughters and a son with prophetic uh, uh, destiny. And I was just so fulfilled in the things of God. Fast forward nine and a half months. My son's nine and a half months old, and I go to London, England, to minister for a weekend. And on the second night while there, I'm ministering, and my wife, while I was gone, went ahead and took the kids. She went down to Arkansas to see family. It, it, she took them down there. It was starting to get warmer down there, so she took them down there. And it was the second night, and I remember I was about to step into the, to the Saturday night meeting, and I called my wife, and we had a sweet time of... Uh, uh, of talking and of dreaming about the future and everything. And she says, I'm about to go wake up our son. He was napping at the time. And so I go, I love you, honey. I'm going into the meeting. And so I go into the meeting and I have a, a, a preach a powerful message about what God's doing in the earth. And then comes the ministry time and I'm stepping off the ministry time of praying for people. And a man has a phone in his hand and he hands me the phone. I'm literally thinking I'm gonna pray for someone's family member over the phone. Well, I get on the phone and it's my wife screaming hysterically, Corey, he's dead. Corey, he's dead. Corey, he's dead. And what I would find out is that my son, when my wife went to pick up my son from his nap, he didn't wake up. At nine and a half months old, a strange virus had come through the family and in the middle of his nap, it just shut his heart down and he didn't wake up. And I got the nightmare of calls that my son died and I'm halfway around the world and I feel so alone, but yet this phrase came to me in the middle of it. I don't understand where this came from, but it came out. And I looked at the father and I go, Father, you know what it feels like to lose a son. I need you right now. And I was thinking about the cross and that moment of death where Jesus dies in the father's pain and anguish over the loss of his son. The next morning I would catch the first flight out and I would, I would come to Arkansas and we would begin the journey that has lasted over the last, you know, 10, 11 years. And I'm gonna be honest with you, friend, in this story, it's been the absolute hardest season of my life. The earthquake hit our family. I had teenage daughters, daughters entering into their teenage years. I had such, a, uh, such an earthquake hit our family and I felt very ill-equipped in many ways. And the more of the most painful things is my wife just froze. Over the years, my wife just went into a dark season of depression, despair, wonder if she was going to make it at all. And yet all I knew to do was keep going. Had a season where I was at home, but I was preaching and I was clinging to God to make sense of this and doing my best just to survive. There's some seasons, friends, where it's not about taking ground, but it's about not quitting. Where it's not about you know conquering every mountain, but about standing. It's that Ephesians 6 season in those, the day of evil, in those evil days, stand, which means don't quit. And it was in that season that I was crying out to God to begin to give me, I felt like literally me and my family had been dropped in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and we had to find land and we had nothing. 
And it was in the middle of that season that God began to release some life rafts to me. I got my wife in deep depression, my children that are traumatized. I don't know what to do. And it was in that season that I clung to God and he began to give me psalms that would begin to be what I'd call life rafts and would give language to my grieving heart to make sense of it all. Well, I got to 2014. So my son passed on March 16th, 2013. And honestly, 2013 was absolute horrible. It was just a nightmare of grieving and of pain. I don't know if you've ever been through anything similar, but we walked through it. It was January 1st, 2014, and I was in Mexico City with a friend of mine. And I heard the Lord speak to me in the middle of still all this grieving. He said, Corey, I want to give you the revelation of intercession. And he took me to Psalm 2. And and I just want to say to you, no passage in the Bible has helped heal, navigate, and give me clarity on how to process grief and tragedy like Psalm 2. Because Psalm 2 is the devil's rage over Jesus' inheritance. Let me say that again. Psalm 2 is the devil's rage over Jesus' inheritance. And it was in Psalm 2 where the Lord taught me how to fight the battle and fight the faith. In Psalm 2, what you see is chaos, confusion, and rage as the devil is seeking to overthrow Mount Zion and to overthrow the eternal decree that the Father had given to the Son. And I found myself in a season where I wondered whether my wife was going to live, whether my children would make it, or would they be turned aside to drugs and the spirit of this age. And 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 would we make it there? I saw rage and chaos and confusion and the war of the evil one around this. And I didn't know how to respond to it. Have you ever felt your most prized inheritance and possession under the most assault? Mine was my family. And the Lord was saying, Corey, I need you to feel it. But we don't engage in the battle from a horizontal playing field. Because in Psalm 2, it says this, he who sits in the heavens laughs. He who sits in the heavens laughed. And the Lord was telling me, Corey, I got to teach you how to ascend. I got to teach you how to come up to the third heaven and to the throne room and be able to get right perspective concerning this because I need confidence, my confidence to touch you. I need you to come out of the fear, the anxiety, the confusion and all the emotions. And I need you to get heavenly confidence from perspective. And I'll never forget it. It was Psalm... Uh, 2 verse 7 and 9. What do you see Jesus doing when the devil is raging? We see him in the place of prayer speaking back to the Father what the Father's spoken over him. And he told him this in Psalm 2 verse 7. He says, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. And then he says, you see those nations raging? Ask me for them and I'll make them your inheritance. And it was in 2015 where the Lord said, Corey, your greatest places of warfare are to become your greatest places of inheritance. And I began to ask God, Lord, my inheritance, my family, my marriage. I didn't want a divorce. I didn't want my children to get lost. I didn't want my wife to die. I didn't want to die. I I wanted my family. That was the cry of my heart. Some of you might be in that kind of season right now. It was in that season of crying out for inheritance where a friend of mine sent me a dream. And this dream has marked my life. He said, in the dream, the church was under siege. We were in medieval times. 
and everyone went to the city square as we realized we don't know how to pray in these days. The cultural wars were increasing. And in the dream, I walk into the dream smiling and I go, these are the days we've been waiting on. And then in the dream, my friend began to prophesy over me and I'm prophesying it over you. He said, Corey, for every one voice of awakening, I'm going to raise up seven voices of intercession. He said it again. For every one voice of awakening, I'm going to raise up seven voices of intercession. He says, I've given Lou Engle the Nazarites, but I'm giving you the Nasherites. And the Nasherites will be a hidden army of intercessors that may not be known in the eyes of men, but they're going to be famous in heaven. And I'm going to send revival to their homes, revival to their churches, and revival to their nations. And when I received that dream, I said, Lord, give me 100 million Nasherites. That began the cry of my life. But honestly, friend, from 2015 to 2021, my wife was still disengaged from ever being able to dream about such a thing. She was frozen. She was stuck. She was lost. But yet in February of 2021, at a weekend women's retreat in Dallas, something began to happen with my wife. God began to touch her a little bit over the weekend. And then on the the second night of it, she was laying in bed that night. She heard Jesus ask her, do you love me? That's a phrase out of John 21, where Jesus was restoring Peter and recommissioning Peter. And she goes, Lord, you know, I love you. And he says, "I'm, I'm recommissioning you and setting you on fire. Well, the next morning we were in a meeting and Lou Engle was there and he began to lead us in a time of prayer. And as soon as he did, my wife fell to the floor as a spirit of prayer began to fall upon her. And for the next four hours, she would be in this travailing intercession as God began to rest upon her for about the next four hours. She began to understand that God is raising up a Nasherite army and that we are going to see revival in these days and that it has to do about the salvation of Israel, that God is setting watchmen on the walls. The Nasherite is a personal story connected to a biblical end time reality. Isaiah 62, I will set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent, nor be quiet until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. The Lord, my wife comes out of this encounter and she goes, Corey, I see the army. Let's run. And it was from that moment that God has began to raise up an army of intercessors in the online space and wherever I'm traveling. I'm seeing God taking the darkest places of tragedy and turning it into the glorious places of inheritance. And whether you're in your journey or you've broke through your journey, I want you to know in the supernatural power of God that he will take ashes and turn it into beauty. Amen. Take that for yourself as well. Experience the same grace that our brother did. God is a good God and he cares for you. May you give us this strength in this hour, Lord, as all the things that are happening, that we'd raise up this army to be mighty warriors and in these times that we live, we thank you for that today. In the name what of Shabbat Shalom. Amen. Well, God bless you. Shabbat Shalom. Have a great weekend. Come back next week for daily podcast. All right. Well, thanks again for listening to another entire week. Many of you listen each and every day, and that is so encouraging to us. Thank you for those that write us, and of course, those who bless us through our 
ministry here at Christian Center Shreveport through this podcast, the pipeline, as well as the other ministries we have here. Remind you, our Olive School of Ministry is taking applications for the fall 24 session, so check it out on our website and all our apps that you can learn more about that school. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Have a great weekend.